Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Stephen Ray Morris here, and welcome to the latest episode of Swift Bites, a weekly See Jurassic Right podcast series where I cover what's happening in the universe of Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, dinosaurs, science, and more. This week, Mummified Leaves and Spinosaurus updates, Jurassic World Dominion, on schedule, and Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous Season 1 debrief. All these bites and more, hold on to your butts right now. Hey everyone, it's been a minute. Well, not since the podcast, but since Swift Bites, I figured the week of Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous, I dug into those. I can't believe I've binged the show twice now and then watched it a little bit here and there. I hope everyone really enjoyed it and I'm going to be getting into some more Camp Cretaceous stuff and potentially spoilers, so I'm going to cover... Camp Cretaceous updates, news, Easter eggs, things like that in the back half of this episode. But I want to hear from you. I thought about, I went through everyone's comments on the Facebook page, See Jurassic Right Podcast. And I think I do want to do a special episode, sort of, you know, kind of dive into the bigger questions and in a more in in a more informal format than presented in here, because I, I still want to keep the Swift Bites relatively spoiler free. So here's your here's another chance to get any questions in, any thoughts, everything. I think I just want to go through all the big mysteries and big points and address them one by one, as well as go through some Easter eggs. But 
This week, we're still going to cover... There's still going to be a lot of cool things to check out. Uh, a lot of the other members of the Jurassic community have done some really cool deep dives, some Easter eggs, and some interviews with some of the people involved in Camp Cretaceous, so I'm going to link to all those. But first... This week, let's get into some science news up top. I hope everyone's been enjoying the Back to School series. When this comes out, I will be basically putting up the fourth one um, a little bit afterwards with Riley Black, who's an amazing dino nerd and science writer. You you know her work really well, so I'm really excited to share that interview. We have such a great time. But in the meantime, we've had Abiwe Matawane, who's a paleobotanist. And then this week, we had Cameron Muskelly, who is an aspiring uh, paleontologist and geologist. And we talked about deep time. I love both those interviews. I mean, I love my first interview with Yara Haridi. And yeah, I'm so excited you're going to get to hear three more. By the, I had to extend this back to school. There were just so many cool people to talk to. And so I want to keep it going and possibly do more back to school stuff, or at least more, not back to school stuff, but more science interviews and stuff just throughout the year, because it's just been so inspiring to talk to these people about what they do in the world of science and dinosaurs and paleontology and plants and all that good stuff. So there's a lot more things coming up. But yeah, let's get into the first of these stories um, inspired by uh, Aviway, which was mummified plants give glimpse of Earth's future. Earth's, that was a weird way to say that. Uh, so Justin Rowlett in BBC talks about how fossil leaves from the remains of a 23 million year old forest suggest some plants may adapt to grow more quickly as CO2 levels rise, the study says. And I really love this story because, again, it's this idea of, you know, what's the relevance of studying things from the past? And the point is, is that learning from the past can help us in the future uh, literally from destruction. So scientists recover the very well-preserved leaves from an ancient lake on New Zealand's South Island. They have enabled the scientists to link for the first time the high temperatures of the period with high levels of atmospheric CO2. So these results have been published in the journal Climate of the Past. In their paper, this team shows that some plants were able to harvest carbon dioxide more efficiently for photosynthesis, the biological process that harnesses light from the sun to produce food for the plant. They say their findings may hold clues for how the dynamics of plant life could shift as current CO2 levels rise to meet those of the distant past. So this team in, uh, you know, obviously I link to all these articles in the show notes. And so, you know, I might start linking them just kind of one by one in a thread for each episode, because, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on each of these different articles and interviews and things that I cover. So I should start doing that. Um, yeah, the team drilled 100 meters down to near the bottom of this very now dry lake bed. Located in the crater of a long extinct volcano. Ugh, this is just giving me flashbacks. The South Island in New Zealand is maybe the most beautiful place on Earth. I got to, cir- I got to circumnavigate it in 2008 when I was studying abroad there. And the West Coast looks like, I mean, it looks like you're back in the, you know, the Mesozoic and the, I mean, in that time there, it snowed, sunshine hanging out on the beach. Like the the South Island is just packed with wonders. It's Milford Sound there, tons of Lord of the Rings locations, which I believe they're filming. They're they're back to filming uh, the Lord of the Rings TV show, which Jay Bayona, who directed Fallen Kingdom, is 
uh, heading the Lord of the Rings TV show. So I should check in for updates about that. But anyway, so the back to the article, the biological material that had been fossilized included remains of plants, algae, spiders, beetles. uh, They say one beetle specifically flies, fungi and other living things from a warm period known as the early Miocene epoch. Average global temperatures are thought to have been between three degrees Celsius and seven degrees Celsius higher than today and ice largely disappeared from the poles. So I'm not going to go too in depth on this article more. You can read the full thing, but I just, I just love, this is what, like, this is what science is all about. It's saying, Hey, (laughs) we've only been here for this little bit. Again, going back to Cameron's interview, like we've only been here for this little bit. Makes me think of the lost world novel as well, too. It's like humans have only been here a little bit and we've done a lot of damage, but there are plenty of examples in the past that we could use to maybe help us not destroy ourselves and, and not destroy the planet. So um, I will link to this article in BBC. And so this this next article I wanted to talk about really quickly was uh, in National Geographic UK. It says case for river monster spinosaurus strengthened by new fossil teeth. And so this and we talked about it in Cameron's episode as well, too, about the sort of spinosaurus discovery that the sort of uh, the body morphology and anatomy lent itself to instead of, you know, a thin kind of theropod tail that maybe Spinosaurus was actually fully aquatic. And so that it cause was maybe a little bit more hunched, like more, you know, more its body was more made for the water with a big flipper, flippery tail and stuff like that. So this is kind of a continuation and an update from that. So this was uh, in yeah National Geographic UK uh, by Michael Greshko and says more than 95 million years ago, a mighty river system roared through what is now the Moroccan Sahara, providing a home to one of the most unusual river monsters known to science, the predatory dinosaur Spinosaurus. Fully grown, the 50 foot long, seven ton beast stretched longer than an adult Tyrannosaurus and had an elongated snout similar to a crocodile's that bristled with sharp conical teeth. Now, paleontologists plumbing those ancient sediments have found large abundances of those conical teeth conical, at two sites in southeastern Morocco. In one bone bed, teeth from Spinosaurus outnumber those of other dinosaurs by roughly 150 to 1. Because these rocks form from river sediments, the discovery implies that Spinosaurus lost that Spinosaurus lost its teeth in the water far more than other dinosaurs living in that region, further bolstering the case that these that this animal was a unique aquatic killer. With such an abundance of Spinosaurus teeth, it's highly likely that this animal was living mostly within the river rather than along its banks. Lead study author Thomas Bevor, a graduate student at UK's University of Portsmouth, says in a press release. The new study, recently published in the journal Cretaceous Research, which that's an amazing name for a journal, builds on previous work arguing that Spinosaurus was an avid swimmer. One 2010 chemical study found tentative evidence that Spinosaurus and its kin spent a large portion of their days in the water, like modern crocodiles or hippos. In studies of a Moroccan Spinosaurus skeleton published this year and in 2014 found evidence of features seen in other swimming animals, including a paddle-shaped tail that may have helped propel the dinosaur through the water. So I'll include a link to that article as well. I I mean, I believe that they're linking. Yeah, they're they're linking to another Nat Geo article. So I'll link to both of this. You can read about it. When you study the bones, it's very difficult to understand how these animals were actually interacting with their ecosystem, says paleontologist and Yale PhD candidate Matteo Fabri, a co-author on the 2014 and 2020 skeletal studies who wasn't involved in the new study. This study is important because it's looking at the ecosystem itself. So again, I'm not going to go too much further into the article. I'll put a link to it. But I like this article 
because it also is another example of one of the things I've been trying to talk about, uh, you know, when I'm interviewing the scientists for the Back to School series is this idea that you're not only doing your own work, but you're building off the discovery of others and your, you know, your case might help someone else's case or it might refute someone else's case. And I really love and, and hope that that there's sort of this, you know, that this kind of Everyone is, I think we talked about this in Cameron's interview, but just like this idea that hopefully we're all working together towards a common goal. And, it, you know, and that the way science works is that it's just the, this evidence is slowly building this case. And it's really, it's been really cool to see this happening for Spinosaurus in real time this year. You know, obviously some of these discoveries go way back, all the way back. But uh, yeah, it's just been, we've seen a little bit more of it in real time this year, which has been really exciting. So again, I'll link to all of those articles and I'll link to, you know, some additional stuff for Spinosaurus. But yeah, I thought those two articles were really interesting and illustrative of sort of the, you know, it was the friends we made along the way of science in that sense. So let's take a quick break and we're going to get into some Jurassic World Dominion updates. So even though Camp Cretaceous has been pretty much taking the spotlight for the last couple of weeks, there's been some interesting Jurassic World Dominion updates as well. I mean, first of all, the vote. I mean, so interesting that our first picture with the trio back together that together, you know, not in costume, but uh, is to register to vote, which vote, you know, it's not going to fix everything, but. Just just vote. <laughs> vote in this election, please. Uh, but yeah, there's a picture of that Laura Dern. I believe she was the first one to post it of her and Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum. Everyone looking like a snack uh, telling us to register to vote. So that's the first thing. Um, yeah, uh, it feels so good. Anytime we get a chance to see any of the three of them and, you know, in any configuration together again, it's just been such a spark. It feels so good. Um, and speaking of which, uh, Jurassic World Dominion schedule remains right on time. So Josh Evans over at Jurassic Outpost uh, translated a a French interview uh, in Premiere, and I guess Premiere France, with director Colin Trevorrow. And so the translated interview says, We are right on time in the filming schedule. Obviously, it's not easy to film in these conditions. Everyone is doing their own thing. And everyone is very disciplined. Keeps his distance, wears his mask. Um, there, there might be some translation peculiarities. Universal and the producers are putting everything at our disposal to make it happen. So despite this postponement because of the health crisis, we are on schedule. It's a really huge production. We haven't finished yet. We still have quite a few weeks to shoot. So, uh, um, oh, and then, so the other interesting part of this interview with Colin is talking about directing the trio, which we even have some more details of that in another interview, but directing the original tree, directing the original trio associated with the stars of Jurassic world is really the most exciting thing of all my life. I don't know if I will ever able to do better. There's a very good understanding on the set between the actors, at least because it will not necessarily be the case of the characters. So again, this interview is... I mean, you know, Universal is paying a lot of money for Jurassic World Dominion to come out on time. Will movie theaters be the way that, you know, they were before COVID by the time June comes out? I don't know. But I think Universal is hoping that kind of like, I mean, I wonder if maybe because, you know, Dominion was one of the first movies back in the US or in the UK in this example, 
that maybe Dominion like will be one of the first really big films back in the theaters by next June. I mean, I'm hoping, but again, safety is more important. But I also love the idea that he's saying, you know, mixing the cast from Jurassic World and the original movies. I love that idea too. I think I've mentioned it in previous Swift Bites, but the thought of all these characters, Macy talking to Grant and Sattler, Malcolm talking to Owen and Claire, like this stuff to me feels, that's like the cocktail, that's the stew, that's what makes this feel like a real franchise and feel alive is when you have er characters from all eras interacting. And I'm, I'm so, so thrilled for that idea. So speaking of uh, legacy characters, uh, there was an interview in Entertainment Weekly with B.D. Wong. And so I really like that little interview. It's pretty short. It's like two minutes. But it is interesting because B.D. Wong talks about sort of being disappointed in the original Jurassic Park because you read the character of Dr. Wu in the book and he's a real meaty character that has a lot of life and hopes and dreams and and really plays at kind of showing the darker side of Hammond, you know, sort of using this man in his mind and then sort of throwing him under the bus when he doesn't, or, you know, just sort of tossing him away when he doesn't need him anymore. And I feel like, you know, B.D. Wong talks about how Colin kind of rescued this character and it truly feels that way and giving Wu a bigger purpose. And I feel like bringing back a lot of Crichton's characterization and, and kind of giving it a, a whole nother dimension. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting interview and yeah, I totally suggest you check it out. So I'll link to that as well too. So continuing that note on the original trio in a new interview with sci-fi wire by Josh Weiss with Colin Trevorrow, he says, Oh yeah, this is the part to me that was like very, again, sort of off the premiere interview and just sort of this line of thinking, I don't know. It's, it's that thing of, I think right now with, you know, I think with Fallen Kingdom, I think a lot of people were disappointed with Malcolm's brief appearance. And so I can see Colin sort of now wanting to hype people up, but also prepare them with what to expect. And so I think this is really cool. And he says, I think people may be underestimating the size and importance of Laura Dern, Sam Neill, and Jeff Goldblum's characters in this movie, the filmmaker told Sci-Fi Wire during a digital junket for Netflix new animated series, Camp Cretaceous. It is very much an ensemble and that element, the ability to take these beloved characters from almost 30 years now and understand how they interact with each other in the context of a world that we've never really seen before and have not been able to witness until now. It's very exciting for me and I'm having the time of my life. And so, again, I think when when I think about Jurassic Park, obviously Alan Grant is the, I'm air quoting, main character, but the original Jurassic Park truly feels like an ensemble and I'm really starting to think that that's what that that's what Dominion is going to be like. Although Claire and Owen will still be our leads, I think that the sort of ratios are going to be much more evenly split between Claire and Owen, Macy, and the original trio, with everyone kind of filtering below that. So, and again, I think with the disappointment people had from Malcolm's short screen time in Fallen Kingdom, I think Colin's really trying to prepare us a little better this time. So I'll put a link to that whole article as always in the show notes. And so the final bit of <laughs> the final bit of Jurassic World Dominion news comes from a Hollywood Reporter article called Lights, Camera, COVID, The Perils of Shooting Amid a Pandemic. So this article, I mean, it's part of a larger article, and I've mentioned this before, but the idea that I think Universal is really pushing the sort of 
And I think what Jurassic World Dominion will partially be remembered for is like one of the first movies that started filming again during COVID. And I think they really want to showcase that they're doing it right, that they're doing, you know, doing it safely. So, but we got some cool behind the scenes photos, including uh, this very large clapperboard, like person sized, uh, well, not person sized, like half person sized, uh, like, yeah, like, you know, like a torso to head sized um, clapperboard and what looks like kind of a continuation of maybe the snowy environment from Vancouver, but looks like it's part of a set, these huge cliff walls. And so people have been speculating. It's like, okay, if we're going to the snow, but where are we in the snow? Are we in Russia? Are we in the Arctic? I mean, the Arctic feels perfectly sci-fi. I mean, my fingers are crossed for the Antarctic, you know, X-Files style because, or like the thing, because I love Antarctica. So if Jurassic, if the franchise takes us to Antarctica, like the Biosyn base or something, you know, like that would be so cool. And yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go too much into this article as far as like the COVID detail. I mean, it's mostly just talking about how COVID is being tested on set. And, you know, it's just people patting themselves on the back saying we're doing a good job. It says Universal never blinked, says producer Patrick Crowley. They've got to do what they got to do. So and then there's also another behind the scenes uh, photo of a clapperboard, much more, much smaller this time. uh, What looks like to be Malta. So, yeah, that's, you know. Uh, again, it's just a lot of like talking about how they're dealing with when people have tested for COVID on set in the different zones. So I'll link to this article in Hollywood Reporter, which is by Bryn Elise Sandberg. So it's a great article just kind of looking at the kind of state of the industry and how people are dealing with it and like the differences between smaller films and bigger films. But for Jurassic fans, I think it's just these behind the scenes photos are just really cool. And and it's good to know that they're trying to do things right and do things safely. So um, that's pretty much it for Dominion. Are you excited at the thought that it's still coming out on time? Does that mean that we're going to get a trailer in November still? Or is that going to be pushed back till January, like Super Bowl style, like they've done for the last two movies? Or, I mean, no, it feels like nothing's really changed as far as like... COVID has come, you know, as, has, you know, as far as COVID goes. So as like vaccines or things. So like, are we going to be able to go to the movie theaters next June? I don't know. Let, let me have people gone back to the movies. Yeah. Let me know if you've gone back to the theaters in your home state or country, if they're even open. Uh, maybe it'll be a drive-in movie premiere. That would be fun. I really want to see Jurassic at the drive-in. Uh, but yeah, so that's pretty much it for Dominion. Ugh, I really want, I feel like we've only gotten maybe, I feel like maybe the, we technically haven't gotten an in, like, we haven't gotten a photo from the movie yet. We've only gotten behind the scenes stills. I feel like we're ready for a, a, a real still from the movie. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about that prospect. So, and again, I would love to see, personally, I would love to see, Claire Owen Macy in costume with Ellie, Alan, and uh, Ian. I would love to see the six of them together. I think to me that would show like Jurassic World Dominion is the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World franchise movie. So that's my wish. What's yours? And with that, we'll come back with Camp Cretaceous stuff. And don't worry, I'll mark if I talk about spoilers. So I'll see you in a second.
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. All right, let's talk Camp Cretaceous. So again, I'm not gonna get any spoilers here, but because you know, not everybody wants to binge it. It's funny. Camp, I think I mentioned in my reviews, which go check out. I mean, it was so hard to do like first impressions in like an organized way because I because I watched it so late and just like in such a rush with binging. I was just like, I don't know. How do I collect my thoughts? What's happening? How do I feel? But overall, again, I loved Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. It really feels like it's part of the franchise now. I feel like I think about Darius and Brooklyn and Kenji and Sammy and Yaz and Ben and Bumpy, just like I do anybody else in the Jurassic franchise. And yeah, I'm super excited. So Jurassic Outpost mentioned, again, Josh Evans made this post that at New York City Comic Con, which will take place from October 8th through the 11th, there's going to be a panel with Colin Trevorrow, Scott Kramer, and Zach Stentz. And Josie Campbell, as well as writers Sheila Shrivnas, Rick Williams, and Bethany Johnson. So it's basically a taking you in the writer's room of Camp Cretaceous. And I'm really excited about that because, again, without spoiling, just the way that Jurassic World, the way that, <laughs> the way that Camp Cretaceous was able to weave in and out of the events of Jurassic World, but still maintaining its own identity, I think is really one of the big compelling features of, you know, our first animated Jurassic shows. So I really hope that they can shed some light on that. So that is October 8th. I, there's probably going to be a more specific date and I'll update you about that. And so let's get into spoiler territory for a minute. Again, if you haven't watched Camp Cretaceous or finished it, turn back, turn back now. Beep, 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 beep. In a new interview with the showrunners of Camp Cretaceous uh, on io9 by Beth Elderkin, uh, they talk about how the ending of Camp Cretaceous is 100% canon. So, again, spoilers. Uh, the kids get left on the island. It's wild. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I saw it coming or not, but I just, I just think it's such a cool move. I think that you could have 
I mean, I don't know if you could have done a longer show without them being left on the island, but I still think it's pretty it's pretty bold. And so obviously we know that by the events of Fallen Kingdom that there's, a, a you know, the volcano, um, you know, explodes on Isla Nublar. So how long are they going to take the show? You know, are we going to go, you know, the, the first season of Camp Cretaceous, you know, is told in like very much a span of what, like three days, maybe. So with that pace, we're definitely not going to reach Fallen Kingdom, you know, anytime soon. But it's interesting to see how they're going to explore, like maybe they'll discover, like maybe the first, you know, maybe the first moments of the volcano coming back to life will be felt during Camp Cretaceous. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, and so uh, in this interview, Scott Kramer says, that is the conceit of the show. Oh, when talking about just that the kids get left behind. So that uh, Scott Kramer says that is the conceit of the show that when the UN quarantine is put into place, six kids got left, six kids got left behind and we get to find out what happens to them. And this is considered canon. The director of the director of Jurassic World, Colin Trevorrow, was very involved continuously as far as story, as far as canon and as far as designs, all sorts of things. Everything that's on screen was approved by Colin and Frank Marshall and Steven Spielberg. So, yes, this is considered full canon. So currently, uh, currently, currently, Camp Cretaceous has not officially been renewed for season two. But again, I feel like season two announcement is coming any day now. So. Uh, yeah, I hope we get to see what happens to them being stuck on the island. And again, more spoilers with Ben seemingly alive. I am terrified of what's going to happen between I'm terrified of what's going to happen when the, uh, when he runs into the other kids, because to me, that drama is, I mean, being left behind, like is so devastating and then being left behind, but then also discovering that the person you left behind is still there like that to me i i i'm so terrified of what's going to happen between ben and the rest of the kids and bumpy uh once they all run into each other again so um yeah that's it for spoilers go uh but i will mention a few other things um the Jurassic Park podcast and Jurassic Outpost did interviews with the showrunners camp cretaceous so i'll link to those interviews down as well down in the show notes as well and so Jurassic Park podcast and Jurassic Outpost did interviews with the producers and showrunners of Camp Cretaceous. So I'll link those interviews in the show notes as well. And uh, Jack over at Jurassic Outpost, he's been doing these amazing videos uh, on their YouTube channel. He did a really great rundown of all the Easter eggs of Camp Cretaceous. I really suggest you go watch it. It feels like it's the definitive one, but people are discovering stuff all the time. What are your favorite Easter eggs? What are your favorite moments from Camp Cretaceous? I, again, for as much as it, like explore some of the lore of Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. I just really love the kids. I love their relationships. They feel real to me. They feel like anybody, like they feel like I would have been as a kid. You know, I love Darius, relate to Brooklyn a lot. So yeah, what did you think of Camp Cretaceous? Or have you been rewatching it? You know, I obviously wanted to rewatch it for, you know, this podcast and stuff, but I definitely find myself just putting it on because it's such a fun such a fun watch and it goes by so fast. So yeah, let me know what you think of Camp Cretaceous. And again, I've been reading everyone's comments in the Facebook group and I really just want to take more time and put something together uh, featuring those comments and let me know again 
uh, if there's anything you want me to talk about or, you know, Easter eggs or things like that. Yeah, I want to just do something kind of fun and just go through it a little bit more thoroughly. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. We're, we're at the end here. We're at the finally of this podcast. And, yeah, I've been putting out a lot of stuff. Uh, again, Samantha Joe, uh, we talked about Samantha Joe over at Jurassic Outpost. We talked about Westworld. And I, I, I want to rewatch that show as well, too. And check out the Back to School episodes, of course. Sadie Dupuy is an amazing songwriter, musician, producer. She's the lead of Speedy Ortiz, and she just put out a solo album under Sad 13, which is her solo moniker, Haunted Painting. Uh, I talked to her and Dana Wickens. Dana Wickens is an incredibly talented producer over at Earwolf. She does Off Book. She does Off Book, Factually Bitch Sesh. Uh, the two of them are childhood friends, and uh, it was this was one of the last like recordings I did in the actual studio in person in January, and I wanted to put it out now because of Sadie's new album. But we had a lot of fun just talking about animals and Jurassic Park and camp, and weirdly talked a lot about camp, even though Camp Cretaceous was kind of not anywhere on our radar at the time. But yeah, it was a really fun interview, just very fun, funny, and they're both very talented and super rad. So check that out. And wanted to mention that I was also on a podcast called High Beams. It's with Megan, Brandon, and Brent. They're three friends who just get stoned and watch movies. And we talked about Jurassic Park. And it was so much fun. They're so sweet. They had a lot of questions. I felt like I was on as like a Jurassic Park expert, which I guess I am. But they're so sweet. And they're a lot of fun. And their podcast is just really, just really chill. Just really chill and fun. So, and just wanted to give another shout out to Andrew Roebuck. He's at Wine Movie Nerd. He does the podcast Triassic Park, which... I was a guest on. He just was in the hospital recently, but um, it looks like he's doing better. But hey, if you see him, he's at Wine Movie Nerd. Give him a shout. Listen to Triassic Park. Say hi and, you know, get well and all that stuff. Um, We're going to be doing some more stuff together soon. So, yeah, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. But it's so exciting. And hey, we're getting into October, which means... I've got some Halloween stuff planned as well, too. So stay tuned to that. And yeah, hold on to those butts as the leaves start to fall. I'll see you all soon. Bye. Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.